fulfilling day for you. Your father is um, in reach. Be sure you reach out to him and uh, love your fathers and honor him today. And if your father is with the Lord, as mine is, remember your father who is already gone on and be thankful for them. Can you say amen? Thank the Lord. <clears throat> Looking forward to sharing with you a little bit today about men and fatherhood. Before I do, I want to uh, talk to you a little bit about next Sunday. Um, our special guest will be Pat Connor. She's a 30-year veteran of children's ministry, having overseen the children's ministry at Sagemont Baptist here in Houston and also Sugar Creek Baptist here locally. And um, she has dedicated her life to helping churches like ours build the best children's ministry we can build. So she's going to speak to us next Sunday morning as the congregation and talk to us about our children's ministry and how we can impact the next generation uh, through our ministry. At 4 o'clock next Sunday afternoon, she's going to be doing a, uh, a training on children's ministry from nursery uh, to youth, and we'd like very much for you to be a part of that. If you've been thinking about uh, volunteering to those ministries, uh, this would be a good time for you to get plugged in and involved. You'll love Pat. She's a, a tremendous lady and has done a remarkable work for God, and uh, we're looking forward to having her with us this summer. Uh, you know, there's three vital elements to a children's ministry. First of all, there's your ministry program, what you're teaching and training your children, how you're going about that. Secondly uh, uh, is your leadership and volunteers, the people that make the ministry program work. And then finally, there is your facilities and equipment. And it takes, it's, it's like three legs of a stool. You need all three legs for it to stand. And we're going to be working aggressively on all three aspects of our children's ministry this summer. And we would very much like for you to help us with that. Specifically, uh, we need volunteers and uh, new volunteers. We have some wonderful volunteers. And also, uh, if your financial help was, will help us move the ministry center forward. You know, if you take your children to a learning environment, uh, the facilities and the equipment is very much a part of their experience. Uh, we just equate a very uh, modern, efficient facility with an effective education. And that's true in the house of God. The more modern and efficient our equipment is, our facilities are, the more effective our effort to teach them the Bible and teach them about Christ is going to be. And so we've done some great things in the past. We stalled for a while. And with a little bit of money, we're going to be able to move forward and make sure that uh, our children have the very best that it can be. Uh, this week, uh, by faith, we ordered um, about $10,000 worth of floor covering, uh, brand new carpets to cover up the tile, which was inappropriate for that learning center, and then some other new floor coverings. It's going to make that entire area just perfect in terms of the floor covering. And I hope that you want to be a part of that and help me with that. I'm not going to do an aggressive fundraiser this summer. I realize it is summer, and many of our families are going to ball camps and church camps and vacations, and I understand all that. Um, but if God has blessed you and you're able to help, we need some big dollars in the next 60 days to move our children's ministry forward, and I want to encourage you to help us. Let's look at um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. 
I'll read it and you listen carefully. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Everybody say, our enjoyment. He goes on to say, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. Can you say amen? So uh, if you use your offering envelope today, God bless you for your generosity and faithfulness week after week, month after month, uh, throughout the year. Uh, you can use your offering envelope. You can pull out your phone and pull up the Triumph Church app, and you can give that way directly and quickly. Uh, you can also go to our website, and um, you can give in that way. God bless you so very much for all that you do financially. If you're a guest here today, I hope to get you meet you personally. I race out to the floor as soon as I finish and try to shake as many hands as I can, meet as many of you as possible. So hang back just a minute and give me a chance to get to you. I want to meet all of our guests. And if you will, please fill out your guest card, drop it in the offering buckets. They're coming by here in just a few moments. And um, we definitely um, would like for you to drop that in so we can stay in touch. Father, we thank you that we are truly rich, not only in material matters, but we're rich in spiritual matters, rich in life. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for every giver, every tither. Thank you for the generosity that permeates this congregation. Thank you, Lord, for being faithful to provide the things we need to do your work. Bless the people of God. Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to people about our children's ministry. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. God bless you so much. Speaking of children, they recently returned from uh, uh, youth camp this week, and I got great reports. Kids had a marvelous time. Kids' lives are changed, and their future is molded at summer camps. So thank you very much for sending your kids. We had some very generous sponsors, and that helped as well. Our EPIC students will be going to their Anthem Conference a little later in the summer. So um, don't forget that. Make sure your kids are plugged in and involved. They're doing all kind of fundraisers and everything it takes to make that possible and to help the parents out. So uh, please don't forget that. While the, the ladies and gentlemen are receiving our offering now, let me just mention that um, life teams are fully underway. I'm getting already some great reports about men getting together, studying about um, um, manhood, and then the ladies getting together studying the scripture, growing, and uh, if you haven't done so, please do so. We have a short session here of Life Teams, and I hope that you'll jump in and be a part of that. You can go to our Life Team Center right out in the foyer, and they'll get you plugged in. Everybody say amen. amen. Uh, you know, we're celebrating men today. Um, I thought, you know, if I could find a way to make men feel loved and valued, that's what I'd like to do. This is Father's Day, and it's a day when we need to appreciate and to increase the sense of value that we have toward all the men in our lives, fathers, grandfathers, spiritual fathers, and natural fathers. So our goal is today is to appreciate men and to encourage them in their manhood, 
and to encourage them in their walk with God as well. I want to take you to Genesis chapter 41, 38, and read a verse that I shared uh, at my father-in-law's homegoing service. It certainly applies to him, and it's a verse that I would like to apply to me, and you will as well. This is the story of where Joseph was in prison, uh, falsely accused, falsely sentenced, and sent to prison. And while there, Pharaoh, who was the uh, dictator of the nation of Egypt, um, had a dream that he could not interpret and didn't know the meaning of. Someone mentioned to him that Joseph in prison was a man that could translate or interpret dreams. And so the dictator brought um, Joseph before him. He shared the dream with him. And God gave Joseph a revelation as to what this mysterious dream would mean. And in response to the fact that Joseph was able to tap into the spirit realm and to get the message God was speaking, this is what Pharaoh said to his officials. Can we find anyone else like this man, so obviously filled with the spirit of God? Well, you may remember the story how that from this point on, Joseph became the prime minister of all of Egypt, and God set him up to not only save Egypt, but to save the nation of Israel. But today I want us to focus on this profound statement about Joseph. Can we find anyone so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Everybody say, obviously. Take a moment and focus on that word for me for the next few minutes. As men, we want to be, we want to obviously be a man. Everybody say, obviously a man. In the way we wear our hair, the clothes we choose, our physical gestures, our language, our overall attitude and behavior, we want to obviously be a man. I think it's important that we raise boys into men in such a way that they know how to look like a man, talk like a man, sit like a man, stand like a man, act like a man, dress like a man. You know, it, it troubles me when I have to take a couple looks to figure out their gender. It's not because I'm redneck, it's because I... I'm compassionate and I feel sorry for men that have not established their manhood to the degree that you got to look at them a couple times to figure out what their gender is. I think we should obviously be men. Secondly, I think we should obviously be husbands. Sometimes married men can act like single men. Married men Single men can be a little self-centered, self-absorbed, living for self. It's my car and my money and my time and my life and my job and my house and it's my fun and it's on and on and on because single men can afford to be centered around themselves. But a husband and a father can't act like a single guy. He has to obviously be a husband and obviously be a father. Obviously. 
Because a father is focused on his, a husband is focused on his wife, and he's focused on his family, and it's not his anymore, it's ours. And sometimes husbands can be a little flirtatious when their wives are not around. But we need to be obviously husbands even when honey is nowhere around. We, we have to be obviously married. Everybody say, obviously married. We need to be obvious fathers, serving, providing, leading our children, having careers that are dedicated to support our families and to take our children where they need to go in their lives. Obviously fathers, obviously serving them, obviously sacrificing from them. It should never be a mystery. We need to obviously be the spiritual leaders of our homes. Our spirituality, our faith in God should never be something private or hidden or something that is uh, just for the house. But our faith in God should be something that is obvious and the fact that we are indeed the spiritual leaders of our home should not ever be in question. Sometimes I see men and I wonder if they would ever show up in the house of God if it wasn't for a faithful wife. It's not obvious that they're the spiritual leaders of their home. It's not obvious that they are following Christ and they're leading their family in that endeavor. It should be obvious that they have a personal relationship with God. It should be obvious that they have spiritual habits in their lives. That when you observe their manner of living, they have spiritual habits. Spiritual habits like prayer. Spiritual habits like reading the scripture and growing in their walk in God. Spiritual habits define the man. It should be obvious that they initiate worship. They don't have to be dragged to church or every possible excuse they could find eliminated before they finally have to go. It should be obvious that they are worshipers, that they are passionate about God. It should be obvious that day and night, seven days a week, wherever they are, they do their best to be a model of righteousness. Their faith is not private or hidden or something done in secret, but they're obviously men of righteousness. doesn't mean perfect or completely without sin. It just means that they are daily striving to be their best for God, and it's obvious to all around. It should be obvious that a man is a decision maker, a decision maker, a decision maker, that he realizes that someone's got to make the decision and it's his job to step to the plate, figure out what needs to be done, make a decision, and get started in that direction. It's the essence of leadership, obviously. Obviously, they should be Christian. They should be Christian by reputation, by reputation. You know, if you work on a job, you interact with people, you've got friends that you do things with, and they don't know that you're a Christian, they don't know that you live for God, if it isn't obvious, it may not exist. By reputation, we need to be obviously Christian. We need to be obviously Christian in character and obviously Christian in behavior. So this morning, I've taken a few minutes just to focus on this word, obvious. Everybody say obvious. obvious. All the men say obvious. 
One final word, it's just a little pet peeve of mine. When people tell me their faith is private, it makes me want to vomit. Moving right along. Now, um, Joshua, uh, Joseph, he was a man so full of the Spirit that even Pharaoh, who was as wicked and ungodly as a human being could possibly be, It's not like Pharaoh was a good man and a good leader and had a good family. When you study the culture of the Pharaohs, it was just as wicked and ungodly as it possibly could be. What Pharaoh would have done would have made you and I regurgitate for sure. But this ungodly leader looked at Jacob, who was in Joshua. Did I get it wrong? Jacob. Joseph, 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 Joseph. So this ungodly dictator looked at Joseph, who had just been dragged out of prison and stood before him, and he recognized something in Joseph that set him apart above all the men he knew. He said, this guy is obviously filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I want to be a man that is obviously filled with the Holy Spirit. So uh, this morning, my wife poured, uh, got some water out of the front of the refrigerator, filled up a glass. And then she went to one of my favorite uh, beverages. It's called Spark. Anybody here drink Spark? I got a hand out there. It's not necessarily healthy, but it sure makes me feel good. (laughs) And so she pours this little berry-flavored spark in in a glass of plain water. Then she stirs it up real hard and brings it to me. And when I get it, it's very red, berry colored. And it tastes great, and it gives me a little punch, and I really enjoy it. But she started with a pure glass of water, clear you could see through. She poured in just a little bit of spark, and all of a sudden the whole thing turns red and takes on a completely different taste and flavor. So when the Holy Spirit comes down into us as human beings, it fills our human spirit. So when you get filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes into you just like that spark comes into a clear glass of water. And suddenly a clear blast of water turns red and has a delicious taste. And so when you get the Spirit of God comes into you and it permeates your human spirit, your whole human spirit takes on a different flavor. It changes the person you are. So when people say, you know what, I just sense that man's full of the Spirit, it doesn't mean they have become angels. It doesn't mean anything except their human spirit has become permeated with the Spirit of God. So he was a Spirit-filled man. And here we are in this 21st century, endeavoring with all of our hearts to be Spirit-filled men. So I'm going to give you 10 quick characteristics of a Spirit-filled man. First of all, he's not only been born again, he's received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, getting born, being born again is, is the act of giving your life to Christ, allowing Him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life, and at that point you are saved, saved, saved. But thereafter, He pours His Spirit out upon you and baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. 
every man needs to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Secondly, uh, a man needs to be living a disciplined a life of prayer. So the first thing you need to do when you get saved is create a discipline of prayer. Thirdly, you need to have a disciplined study of the Bible. Become a reader. Now some men say, well, you know, I'm just not a reader. Well, I know some men are more given to it than others, but everybody's got to read. How in the world are you ever going to grow and mature and get anywhere in life without reading, especially when you walk with God? You have to read. And it may not be your most pleasurable thing, but you'll learn the value of reading. You'll grow as a person, and you'll realize you'll be happy that you dedicated yourself to reading. So men, you don't get a buy. You've got to read and study the Bible. And then uh, you have to be mature in your prayer language. When I received the Holy Spirit um, over 50 years ago as a young boy, the Spirit of God came in me. I was wonderfully baptized in the Spirit. And I began to speak in a language that I've never learned. So now for over 50 years, I've been speaking in tongues just about every day. It's my prayer language. It's a way that I cook up and connect with God. I cross into that spiritual realm and I begin to pray according to the will of the Spirit. Beyond my natural knowledge, beyond what I understand, beyond what I know, I begin to hook up in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit. And a Spirit-filled man needs to be very confident and comfortable in praying in the Spirit, praying in his prayer language. And then a, a Spirit-filled man needs to, be no, needs to be knowledgeable of their spiritual gifting. Knowledgeable of your spiritual gifting. Uh, the Bible talks about how that to each one of us is given various spiritual gifting. And a Spirit-filled man knows what his spiritual gifts are, and he has discovered them, and he's learning how to use them, and it's a part of his toolbox. A lot of guys, they've got an empty toolbox. It's not because they don't have gifts. They've just never put the, their gifts in the box and started to use them. So I want to encourage you as a spirit-filled man, find out what your spiritual gifts are, fill up your toolbox, and get busy working for God and moving your life forward with spiritual gifts. A spirit-filled man has to, makes a resolve to be morally pure. It's a big deal, and we make it our best effort to make sure that 24-7 we're on a pure channel morally and spiritually. Can you say amen? Number seven, serving as spiritual leaders of our home. I mentioned a few things about that earlier. I won't go into that, but being a spiritual man means being the spiritual leader of your home. Number eight, being a worker and a worshiper. Everybody say a worker and a worshiper in the house of God. A worker and a worshiper. It's about being a spirit-filled man. Working in the house of God, worshiping in the house of God is part of the life that we live. Number nine, maintaining a good report among the believers. In other words, we don't just confine our faith to the house or the house of God, our own house or God's house, but we have a good report among believers, of non-believers. We care about what other people think of us. We care about our reputation. We care about our credibility with the world outside. Because if the world sees us as professed Christians doing things that aren't right, it has a reflection on God. And so we are very concerned about our credibility and doing things uh, in a way that unbelievers can believe our testimony. Number 10, striving to be faithful and fruitful stewards in life. Faithful and fruitful. Everybody say faithful and fruitful. Faithful and fruitful. I want to be faithful and I want to be fruitful. I suppose if you define faithfulness as being dependable and reliable, it would be possible to be faithful, dependable and reliable, without being fruitful. 
fruitful means that I put my gifts and my abilities to work, that I have a career, that I have a track that I'm on, and that track is going to be productive and I'm going to be able to support and provide for my family. So be fruitful and faithful. That's the essence of being a spirit-filled man. Fathers impart their spirit to their families. So a spirit-filled man imparts a certain spirit to his family. You know, Pastor Durbin was saying that the father is like the thermostat of the home. Now, in this room, in your home, there's all kind of thermostats strategically located. And what they do is they measure the temperature, and then they might raise or lower it for, so that you and I can have an environment that is comfortable in. And that's, that's wonderful. Thank God for air conditions. I don't know who invented air conditions, but they should go to heaven. I don't care if they know Jesus or not. The worst tragedy in the world is whoever invented an air conditioner to go to hell after, what, after giving the world all this beautiful comfort and peace. Thank God for air conditioning. But it's controlled by a thermostat. So a, a father is, is a thermostat. He controls the environment of the home. And it's so important that we recognize that responsibility as men and that we're imparting our spirit to our family. The spirit of the father becomes the spirit of the family. Um, in the same way, God said, the father said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The father said, if you ask me for the Holy Spirit, I will give it to you. The father said when, when I, that the, the spirit of the father will be in you and he will give you the words to the same. So the, the divine model is simple. The Father gave His Spirit to the Son and to His family. And so it's important to understand that a Spirit-filled Father gives His Spirit to His family. And it's a combination of the Holy Spirit and His own human spirit. And so, it's, so fathers, help us to impart the right Spirit to our children. Now... The Spirit is more than just words and behavior. Uh, sometimes you can do the right thing, but have the wrong spirit. So God help us to have the right spirit to impart to our families. Can you say amen? A number of years ago, there was a young man by the name of Curtis, 22 years old, working his way through college. He was at a grocery stocking. When there came over the loudspeaker a request for someone to help out in the bagging. And so he thought, well, I'm about to take a break. I'll go do that and then get outside for a short break. And when he got there, he saw an attractive young woman that just had recently been hired as a checker. And so making it a lot easier, he volunteered to assist. Well, let me fast forward to their very first date. It was Curtis and Brenda. And so he asked her out, and so at the last minute, the babysitter uh, quit, and they had no babysitter. See, she had two children. She said, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to go. My babysitter called and canceled, so we can't go. He said, well, let's take the children with us. And she said, no, we can't take the children with us. He said, why can't we take the children? 
She said, come in, I'll, I'll introduce them. So first came out a beautiful little girl in the image of her mother that Curtis thought was just the cutest little girl in the world. In a few moments, Mom rolled out her son. See, he was born a paraplegic and having Down syndrome, and he couldn't walk at all. And so she was simply saying, we can't go out and eat because we have a son um, that's in a wheelchair. Well, let's cut the story a little shorter. It wasn't long until they fell in love and got married and have five children on their own. Because this young man had goals and dreams, but those goals and dreams did not supersede his desire to be the right kind of husband and the right kind of a father. You may not know Curtis and Brenda by that name, but what if I told you Curtis was really Kurt Warner, the 43rd MVP of the Super Bowl, quarterback champion, now a member of the Hall of Fame, several quarterback uh, uh, accolades to his name, and in the record book. You see, Curtis was 22 years old, working his way through college at a grocery when he met his wife, Brenda. Before he was famous, before he made tons of money, he was just a young man with goals and dreams that found a girl he loved and built a family. They also are part of a good spirit-filled church, very fervent in their faith and doing things right. Of course, he's in the Hall of Fame now and retired. So, you know, guys, we can't all be Super Bowl quarterbacks, but we can be Prince Charming to at least one girl. And we can also raise a good family, and we can be great fathers, and we can make our life count. So today I want to spend just a few moments and encourage fathers to be all that they can be, to enjoy being a man, enjoy being a husband, enjoy being a father, and enjoy your walk with God. And let's make sure that we're spirit-filled men of God. Can you say amen? You can close your Bibles now. <clears throat> so I'd like to pray for all the men, if you'll stand all over the building, please. All the men. Father, here we stand, mortal men, made of flesh, subject to faults, failures, and sin. We humble our hearts before you as our Father, and we ask you to give us your spirit, that we would not be confined to carnal manhood, but we would be released to become men of God. Father, we stand before you because we want to be your sons, filled with your spirit, a reflection of the Father God in the earth today. I pray for men in this house that the spirit of Almighty God would fall upon them, that they would walk with you in nearness, closeness, and intimacy. Fill them with your spirit. Convey to them your will for their lives and impart to them a grace to be men of God, spirit-filled, on track for doing your will. I bless every man in this house. I pray that the Holy Spirit would overshadow them and their entire families. Use them for your glory. Bless every area of their lives. May your kingdom be expanded through their manhood and their leadership. I pray, Lord, for fathers that are not with us today. I pray that they equally would be blessed wherever they are. And Father, we close with a word of thanksgiving for great fathers that are already with you. Thank you for giving them to us, for they truly live in our hearts, even unto this day. 
I bless the men of God in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. I want to ask everybody to stand and our prayer partners to come forward. It's a delight to uh, have been with you today and share this verse, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. If you're here and you need prayer or ministry of any kind, I want to ask you to come forward. We'll pray for your health or your finances or your family or the, the greatest problem you've ever had or the greatest opportunity that's before you. If you need an answer from God, you need direction, please come forward. We'll be happy to pray with you right now. I've got some wonderful people that know how to pray and touch God. And if you'll come down, you'll have an encounter with God that'll make an immediate difference. You don't have to be a member of the church. Just got to need help from God. This altar's open, and uh, you're welcome to come. God bless you so much. Don't forget your life team this week. Get plugged in. You can get connected if you're not out at the Connection Center or the Life Team Center out in the foyer. Get plugged in. Get involved. We're studying manhood. We're studying womanhood. And it's a blessing to all. Thank you for being here. God bless you so much. I'll see you next Sunday. Don't forget Pat Connor is going to be with us. It's going to be a great day. Let's sing and worship. And if you need prayer, come forward right now. All right? This altar is open. Whom the sun sets free. Oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I Yes, sir.